You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It's Monday, and instead of talk about what we have been talking about for weeks, and that is the 2018 rookie class. What I want to talk about instead is the 2017 rookie class, and I want to look ahead to year two because the biggest leap that players tend to make is from year one to year two, and there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is the guys get a chance to be in an actual NFL offseason training program. They have a full offseason They know the system. They know what it takes to be an NFL player. They're not adjusting to the speed of the game. They're not adjusting to their teammates. They're not adjusting to the coaches. They're able to just go out and play. And they're probably, because remember, a lot of these guys are 21, 22, 23 years old. Their bodies are still growing. So another year older means another year stronger, potentially another year faster. And you hope another year smarter. Now... Part of the problem for some of these Packers players this year is going to be a new defensive system. It is not going to be entirely new. These are concepts. Look, there are only so many concepts that you can run, especially defensively. And and the thing that Mike Pettin does is he may only play three coverages and he may only have a handful of blitzes, but they're going to dress them up and do different kinds of things to get the offense off balance. But ultimately... They're going to play press man coverage or they're going to play cover three. They're going to play quarters. I mean, there's only so many defenses you can play. Players know what that looks like. Offensively, receivers, there's only so many routes that you can run. And so some of those things, the basics, that stuff's not going to change. And luckily for this offense, the verbiage, the scheme, everything there is going to remain the same. And of course, the guy that they brought back to be the offensive coordinator is a former offensive coordinator in this system with this team. Joe Philbin helped create this offense. And so that should not be an adjustment for for these offensive players, these year two offensive players, who will not have to adjust to any sort of new verbiage. There'll, There'll be some new plays and there'll be some new designs, but... It's going to be mostly the same stuff. And again, football is football at a certain point. And these guys have been playing it long enough that it's not going to really materially change much because cover three is still cover three. A slant is still a slant. Now, you you might have to change reads. You might have to change sight adjustments and, and things that, that you may not have internalized on the fly. But for the most part, not much is going to change on the offense. And so that's where I wanted to start with the 2017 draft class. I also think that this conversation is a little bit less interesting. And the way that I want to frame this is players, we're going to talk about all the players 
but I'm going to frame it from a who is poised to take a year two leap the most, who is most in a position to either improve or, or even vastly improve on the kind of season that they had last year. And we have to start with the running backs. Obviously, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were each part of the offense last season to varying degrees. And it was interesting because Jamal Williams seemed to be the de facto running back number two behind Ty Montgomery. And longtime listeners of this show will remember in August, I was wondering why that was. Why was it assumed that Williams, who was only picked a round before Aaron Jones, was the better back? And I think the season ultimately bore that out, that Aaron Jones was, in fact, the better back, is the better back. I think he is the best pure running back on the team, certainly the best pure runner on the team from from a from that standpoint. And so how does this running back room shake out moving forward? I don't know why so many people were worried about the running back position. Aaron Jones was outstanding as a rookie and was from the jump. I mean, Green Bay had a top five running offense last year without Aaron Rodgers. And that was with teams loading up to stop the run because Brett Hundley was the quarterback. And Aaron Jones, in the in the time that he got, when he was healthy, he was outstanding. Was he going to challenge for rookie of the year? No. But had he started 16 games, he might have put up the kind of numbers that would warrant that kind of thing. Now, he didn't, so he didn't. And we have to take that into account. The reason I don't see a huge year two leap for him is he was really good as a rookie. And number two, I don't know what his role is going to be in this offense because Ty Montgomery is still in the fold. So it would not surprise me to see one of these three guys, Montgomery and then the two year two players. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them ends up being traded. A team needs a running back. They're willing to give Green Bay you know, let's say a fourth round pick. If Green Bay can recoup what they got out of Jamal Williams or even a third round pick, even better, I find that unlikely. But if they can get a pick for one of these guys who's probably not going to give them heavy snaps, maybe that's something that they pursue. I think for the same reasons, Jamal Williams, I don't know what his year two leap is going to be. I think in a perfect world, we see a lot of Ty Montgomery playing all over the field. We see him in the backfield, we see him in the the slot, we see him split out. And I think there are going to be times when we see Ty Montgomery with one of these other running backs in the backfield because that versatility is just so unstoppable. I've laid this, this case out in the past. But I think the difference maker in this offense is going to be Montgomery, not these other two guys. I think Jones can give them some explosiveness and some dynamism, but he's probably not going to be the every down back. If he is, though, he's certainly capable, if he can stay healthy, of being a 1,000-yard rusher. We don't know if the health thing last year was something that has to be worried about moving forward. But I do think in the offense next year, Jones is the most likely to have a role. I don't think his role is going to be bigger than it was last year. And so for that reason, I don't know about the year two leap. And I think the same for Jamal Williams. I think he has his use as a between-the-tackles runner. I don't like the Mike McCarthy theory of the hot hand. I would rather see you design packages that give your guys the best position and the best chance to succeed. 
And I think you can do that without being predictable. But I, I just I don't know how to handle any of these running backs. I don't know what to expect from any of them. And it's it's hard for me to believe, even if we just take the efficiency, that Aaron Jones is going to be better than he was last year. And and the same is true for Jamal Williams. I think they're both solid to good players, but I don't see a leap coming from them. The question of the running backs is Devontae Mays. And obviously he had the one carry against Baltimore, fumbles, and then we basically don't see him again until the end of the season. What is his future on this team? Does he have one? Because physically he has all of the tools. I think he could be a player who has a good preseason and maybe he gets traded, or maybe he allows Green Bay the flexibility to deal a guy like Jamal Williams to a team whose running back got hurt in the preseason and they want you know someone who, with some sort of proven track record. I think that makes some sense. I don't think all four of the running backs that are going to go into this season on the roster, I don't expect them all to be on the roster opening day. And that leaves two other players. D'Angelo Yancey, the receiver from Purdue, and Kofi Amichia. And it's hard for me to have a take on Kofi Amichia because we saw so little of him in the preseason. We don't really know. We know he has athletic tools, but we don't know what he is as a player. He's raw. And so from the from the question about the year two leap standpoint, I think that could be a player where all of a sudden he's coming in and maybe not competing for a starting job, but he plays his way into being a preferred backup. Maybe he allows the team to say, Kyle Murphy, we don't have to move you to guard. We can keep you at offensive tackle and give them more depth should they need it. I think in a perfect world, Murphy is a guard, but... Whether or not he can actually play outside, I think he has more value outside if they can get meaningful contributions in terms of solidifying that backup position, and that is still a contribution, then that could be that could go a long way. I don't know what to make of D'Angelo Yancey. Because physically he has some tools that you like, but he doesn't seem he didn't seem to make progress over the course of the year. Michael Clark who I guess should be in this discussion, when at the end of the year, when Jordy Nelson was not playing, it was not D'Angelo Yancey called up from the practice squad to start. It was Michael Clark. And so I think we have to view Clark as ahead of Yancey at this point on the depth chart. And I think Clark is the player more likely to have an impact in year two. I think that's, that's pretty clear. And... You know, I think they could probably get Yancey on the practice squad again, and that would be fine. But I find it hard to believe. This draft, the day three, getting three receivers, that is hardly a ringing endorsement of someone like D'Angelo Yancey. And I just don't see him making enough of an impact to surpass. He's just not as talented as the guys they drafted this year and clearly not as as gifted as Michael Clark. So... Unless he's going to make a significant offseason, he would have to make a leap, an unexpected leap to have any sort of role in this offense. But Green Bay needs that. They need one of these guys to step forward, whether it's Clark, whether it's Yancey, whether it's Equinemia St. Brown, Jamon Moore, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's one of those guys has to step forward and be able to give them reps. If it's Yancey, he should play. I just have a hard time given how many other talented players I mean, I think you can make the case that 
of the guys I just mentioned, he's the fifth most talented. I have a hard time believing he's going to surpass those guys and earn a spot in this in this offense. So really, the moral of the story is, I don't know that there's any of these players capable of making a year-two leap in a meaningful way. I think Kofi Amicia is the closest because I think he's going to go from basically not on this team to active on the 53-man roster. I think that would be a leap for him. But in terms of a guy who's going to make a year-two leap and come in and be an impact starter, I don't know that that guy's on this list, in part because Aaron Jones was so good last year. I just don't know how much better he can really be, and I don't know if he's going to be featured in this offense. So that's the only question when it comes to Aaron Jones and the year-two leap. Before I move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value, and that gets you access to player grades, snap counts, position ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, and all sorts of data that is normally behind the paywall. I want to get you in front of that paywall by winning this contest. And all you need to do to enter, name, Twitter handle in a review, a five-star review, preferably, of this podcast on iTunes. I think you could make the case that Kevin King and Josh Jones are two of the most important players on this team right now and could be two of the best players on the team in 2018. And I think Vince Beagle and Montrevious Adams coming off redshirt seasons, basically, are also potentially pivotal players for this team moving forward. And so as much as there has been some criticism of Ted Thompson, I think rightly so. He went a long time before really, you know, between really knocking it out of the park with some of his picks. I think he knocked it out of the park with Kenny Clark. There's no question about that. But how much of the rest of that draft has really produced in a meaningful way? But this 2017 class could really be the crown jewel of the last few years when it comes to Ted Thompson drafts because Kevin King in year two is going to be healthy. He took his lumps last year, that's for sure, but he also showed promise. He's a willing tackler. I think you're going to see him in a press man system that fits his skills at 6'3", 200 pounds, with long arms, excellent change of direction and speed. He can play in this scheme, and he's going to be asked to play in this scheme. And he was a guy last year that even as a rookie early on, he was being asked to cover number one receivers, and he struggled at times, there's no question. And Drew Brees really went after him, but he's a hard worker, he's a smart kid, And I think he's going to take a step forward. I think he is a year-two leap candidate, potentially the top year-two leap candidate. And I'm really excited to see his progress. I'm excited to see him in the exhibition season. I think he's a guy who plays with some swagger. And if his shoulder is healthy and he's able to press guys at the line of scrimmage, I think he can be a game changer. He has field-tilting ability as a cover corner, and as a, as, a, as a playmaker. Obviously, this team needs that at the cornerback position. They have a chance to be huge at the corner position. And Kevin King is the tip of the spear when it comes to that size. Now, I think the number one year two leap candidate is Josh Jones. And the reason I think that is because we saw 
what that talent looks like against Cincinnati. When he was able to play mostly near the line of scrimmage, when he was able to play and be this sort of roving, overhang defender, he was a monster against the Bengals. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see a lot of three safety lineups with Kentrell Bryce and or Marwin Evans, along with Ha Clinton Dix and Jones. I think they're going to play a lot of two deep safeties, but they're going to have Jones on the field, and he's going to be more in the box playing near the line of scrimmage where he can wreak some havoc for a guy who's you know 6'1", 220, and runs 4-4. He can fly around the field, and I really believe that of these guys, he's the most talented, he's the best football player, and although he was he would he would sort of float in and out of games as an impact player at times, part of that was where Dom Capers played his safeties, way too deep out of the play, and it sounds like Mike Pettin understands this guy needs to be a de facto linebacker, he needs to be playing near the line of scrimmage, he can play in coverage, he can cover in the slot against tight ends. And, and the pro football focus numbers, I think, overstate his struggles. A lot of times what happens with those numbers with safeties is quarterbacks only throw at safeties when there's this incredible mismatch or when someone's wide open. And so it's hard to it's hard it's hard for any safety to have really good coverage numbers because you're throwing at safeties in situations where safeties are going to struggle. Cornerbacks can have good numbers because at a certain point you got to throw at them, and you're going to throw at them a lot. But so someone like Morgan Burnett, he played outstanding in coverage all year, but he had he had some wonky Pro Football Focus numbers simply because he gave up some catches. Now he didn't give up that many catches per target, and he didn't give up that many targets overall in coverage. But what he did give up. You know, if you're if you give up four for four for 80 yards and a touchdown, that's a really good quarterback passer rating. So your passer rating against looks really bad. But that doesn't account for the 80 snaps you were in coverage where the quarterback didn't even look your way because your guy was covered. And so when you're someone like Morgan Burnett who doesn't get his hands on a lot of passes, you're not able to countervail that passer rating against with interceptions and that's where this team I think is going to be different because Kevin King has ball skills Josh Jackson has ball skills Jair Alexander has ball skills Tremont Williams has ball skills now all four top corners have ball skills and playmaking instincts and so that opens things up for someone like Josh Jones to fly around the field to make plays to make tackles and I think of all of the guys on this team who could improve most year to year, and I'm not talking about just the year two leap. I think Josh Jones has the most potential to come in and become an impact player, a potential pro bowler, if not this year, the next year. And then that brings us to Vince Beagle and Montrevious Adams, who are coming off red shirt seasons, basically. They played sparingly. Adams was a healthy scratch down the stretch a couple times. And Beagle just didn't play a lot. When he was healthy, he would get some snaps. Kyler Fackrell did some nice things at the end of last year. No, seriously. He was mostly bad, but he did a couple things. Beagle's just much better. He's much more talented. And if pictures from the offseason are to be believed, he's bulked up. He's added weight. And I think he's the kind of player, if he's healthy, he can be that third pass rusher, that rotational pass rusher that comes in 
and can make a difference. And he's, he might not be an 8 or a 10 sack guy, but he could come in as a third pass rusher and be a 5 or a 6 sack guy and be an impact run defender. And I think he is also a year two leap candidate player because he's healthy, because he understands he's a smart player. And so the scheme change is not going to really affect his life very much. And he's going to be able to do the things that he does best. He's very athletic. He can move around now that he's added some strength. Hopefully his his time in the system all offseason will allow him to play fast. And he's a potential impact player. Montrevious Adams, after the Packers signed Muhammad Wilkerson with Dean Lowry, now he doesn't have to be an every-down player. He can come in and play in spots. And I think he has a role as a pass rusher. I think he can play one gap or two. He's a versatile defensive lineman. And now you look at this defense, and they have five with Looney, James Looney, the, the rookie, maybe six defensive linemen who you feel good about. That's a defensive line rotation. Kenny Clark doesn't have to play as many snaps. Mike Daniels doesn't have to play as many snaps. And they can stay fresh for the end of games. They can stay fresh for the end of the year. And that is a crucial piece to this or any team. You are listening to Locked on Packers on the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything around the league with Locked on NFL and Locked on NFL Draft. I'm bullish on this defense. I think it's going to get much better than it was last year. I have made that case all offseason. And the the biggest reason is I think these guys in year two, Kevin King, Josh Jones, Vince Beagle, Montrevious Adams, they can all come in and be impact players in their own way. If Adams can be a solid rotational lineman, if Beagle can be a solid third pass rusher or even fourth pass rusher, and then you you get upgraded starters... Jones and King play better than they did last year. If they make that jump, this defense gets much better, even if they had kept Dom Capers, which mercifully they didn't. And I think Mike Pettin is going to find a way to maximize the potential of King and Jones in particular. And that is the reason, as much as anything else, that I think these two guys, but all this entire 2017 defensive class, could be difference makers in 2018. And when you add the difference makers that they drafted to first round talents and a, a speedy linebacker in Oren Burks, I think this defense is poised for a major improvement and just a top 15 defense. If they're, let's, let's say Green Bay is just the 14th best defense in the league. If Aaron Rodgers plays 16 games, that's 12 points. It just is. And it might be 13 because this offense is going to be top five good with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be really good. And if the defense can just be average, just be average, and just maybe slightly above average, just 14-15, and not be horrible situational. You know, if they were average across the board, last year they were just a little bit below average, but they were a, they were an elite run defense, but they were horrible on third down and horrible in the run down. Just be average in those two spots. You win 12 games, and you're a serious NFC contender. That is what this team is. That is what they can be. And this 2017 drop class is a big reason why. All right, we're going to have a show Wednesday and a show Friday. Remember, the Memorial Day week is going to be a little bit different in the way that we're scheduling things. So keep an eye on my Twitter feed for those announcements, at Peter underscore Bukowski. Keep a close eye on the Locked on Packers podcast feed, at Locked on Packers. Remember all the shows at LockedOnPackers.com. 
Buy content at AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com, all there for you so you can stay locked on Packers.